I live for watching shitty films and being disappointed though. Like, <laughs> I love th- I love that shit. I love getting to the end of it and what the looking fuck was over that? At face and seeing nothing but disappointment. <laughs> I- I'm just saying. That's like- why you forced her through um, Morbius, right? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. And she hated Bye. me for it. She hated when they did the ear thing and it yeah, creeped her out. <laughs> Loved it. Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast. I am Zach Jackson, joined by James Wood. Howdy, gamers. Don't shake your head, my friend. Mr. Nathan Hennessy joins us. Oh, yes. Hello. Get excited. Adam Ryan's here. Hello, I am here. Here I am. You're here with your backwards hat and Rhiannon Austin joins us as well. Hello, hello. How is everyone? Smashing. Smashing. Oh, I like that. Oh, smashing. It is a Smashing, darling. Let's Post go. Post-Gamescom. We are pumped and ready to go. Heaps to talk about. Very, very, very exciting. Game to the gills. James, how are you feeling? I'm, look, it's a Wednesday. Can only go downhill from here, you know? Hmm. Mm. Effort-wise? That's what they say. heard that before. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> Uh, cool. All right, let's get straight into it. We've got heaps to talk about. I... Thanks, James. Yes. Yep. That's what I'm here yeah. for. It's all downhill. Yep. So, has anyone played anything that, that they want to share? Because we've got tons of content to talk about. So, if it's important, tell me. If it's not, keep it to yourself. I played Deathloop for uh, trying to play through my pledges. I'm enjoying it. I haven't really gotten that far. I'm still, you know, when you play a game and you kind of go back in after not playing it for like a year and you go, what the fuck even was this? 100%. That's, where, that's oh, pretty yeah. much, <laughs> that's where I'm at with Deathloop. So there you go. That's me. That happened to me with um, uh, Jedi Survivor. Uh, oh, I, ooh, I started, yeah. well, I started playing it when it first came out, but I don't know. Some other things happened. And then I went back into it and I was like, I don't even know where I'm up to. Like, what is going on? What is Cal doing? I have a robot. Like, what planet am I on? Uh, <laughs> so definitely, definitely can uh, relate to that. I have been uh, playing Boulder's Gate, uh, which has been an amazing journey so far. And uh, in very short, if you're hesitating on it, you're not sure if you'll like it, don't worry. You will get it. The end. Done. I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm Couldn't excited have said for it you. Better. Thanks, Zach. No worries, mate. You've earned it. I'm sure Nathan said it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Nathan said it much better in his review. Um, so, um, yeah. Oh, no, hold on. Jordan's Jordan review. review. Sorry, Jordan. Jordan. Sorry, yeah. Yes. <laughs> sorry, I thought, Shout for some reason, Jordan. I thought, no, no, Nathan, you've been playing it. Oh, yes. Yes. And I probably will be for the next couple of months, it seems. It's a big one. Mm. Nice. Adam, anything or are we pushing on? Nah, push on, mate. Love a good push Love on. That. All right. Uh, I will start with one thing that I'm going to whip out very quickly. It is Vern, The Shape of Fantasy. It is a point-click game. We've talked about it here, I think, previously before, uh, or previously, because that is before. Um, it Yeah, point-click, you play as Jules Vern, the writer, and it's set in 1888. It's kind of like a mishmash of all of his works kind of put together mostly 20,000 leagues under the sea uh 
Yeah. Uh, kind of is a bit, it's a bit boring. So basically the idea is that you, sorry, I didn't even tell you like what it was first. Um, it is, yeah. So set in 1888, you are Jules Verne and you are a writer slash scientist or something, but you've got like, it's almost like amnesia kind of thing of your past or whatever, but you, you're on board this ship called the Nautilus and uh, you're from this uh, alternate universal world called Hemera and Hemera is warring with another thing, another whatever called the nation. So basically the nation are chasing um, Vern and his ship. Vern has access to this thing, which is called the IMAG and they're chasing the flame of Hephaestus, Hephaestus, I think is what Hephaestus, it's called. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, they're chasing that for like some power to help end the war or whatever like that. Uh, sounds cool on paper, but it's actually kind of boring. Puzzles are real simple. Uh, it is, yeah, there's not much to it. You kind of, uh, the IMAG, but basically this is this tool that allows you to rewrite history as it were. So it allows you to play with time. So, one example is that you are going down this, you're 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 in this cave and there's different like levels and you jump down from one level to the next level and then you're on the bottom level, right? Then the second level crumbles and falls apart. You use the IMAG, restores the second level so you can climb back at that up and get back to the top kind of thing. Uh, that's pretty much the extent of it. You kind of, uh, like a door will crumble in, you use the IMAG and the door reappears basically so it's little stuff like that um four to five hours blandish kind of puzzles voice acting is average fern is a bit whiny kind of a bit annoying um yeah i think i'm gonna give it a six i haven't quite finished my review but it's, it's about a six so why why is Vern on the nautilus and not captain nemo I'm sorry 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 captain nemo is captaining the ship Oh, Vern is just yeah. So Vern, it's I don't want to go too much into it because it's kind of spoilery. And I know yeah, we're very right. tight on spoilers here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I think he, well, it's the demo. So if you have, if you played the demo for or anyone that does, you're on this island, and I believe that's before you join the Nautilus, and then you get from the Nord, the island to the Nautilus. It, the game kind of doesn't explain everything overly well. Um, you kind of, I just, just assume that's how it was. Um, but yeah, the puzzles are quite basic, pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's a, that's a very powered through version of that game. Six out of 10, I reckon I'll give it. Um, yeah, it's, but actually one thing I should mention very, very quickly is the art style, which is a pixel art style. It's actually very, very beautiful. Uh, there's heaps of cool designs and detail in the backdrops and stuff like that. So Yeah. Bit of a shame because that's one of the games I pumped up in my uh, point and click article. So, mm. can't win them all, mate. Can't win them all, mate. Indeed. Uh, do you want me to go to my second thing, or should I get, let someone else talk for a little bit? Go to my second thing. James is nodding, so let's do that. Uh, this might be a little bit rushed compared to the article that will be up because I've only just sort of played it. And I'm still penning stuff down, and I don't remember quite everything. But I am lucky enough to have been playing Banishes, uh, Ghosts of New Eden, which is the game. Don't Nod and Focus. It's that third-person uh, narrative-driven action RPG. And, you know, anything with Don't Nod's name on it, I'm going to be all over it, like, all over something. What on I couldn't think. I couldn't think of anything. Um, James, what am I going to be all over it like? Oh, you don't want to know what I was thinking. 
Mm. Maybe I do. Oh my. Mm. Uh, yeah, so this is, um, yeah, it's, I think I, I played about a 90 minute build of this game. Uh, I don't, does anyone know what this game is? I think I know we've kind of briefly touched on it before. Yeah, I think this is very much on the, the radar for you and me, right? The, the mm. kind of confluence of influence points here sounds interesting. Yeah, so the premise is it's set in the late 1600s in a place called New Eden in Massachusetts. Um, hopefully I didn't butcher that. And yeah, it's uh, you play as two characters. So you play as uh, Reed McWraith uh, and Antia something uh, and your Banishers. And Banishers are ghost hunters that are like sworn to protect the living from spirits and specters that are... You know, trying to do naughty and e- evil things, right? Um, but what happens is that during one of their last missions, uh, Antia. Uh, so sorry, just to just for context, just before that, um, Antia and Red are lovers. So they're together. Um, you know, they're they're a team, not in only in 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 battle, but in life or afterlife, whatever it is, and. Um, yeah, so in the last mission that, that they've gone on, uh, something has happened and Antia has actually been fatally wounded and now she's actually in the spirit world. So I think I think the premise of the game is you essentially go through together um, and you can sw- switch between the two characters, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, you go through, I think the idea is that you are you journey through and your, or your mission is just to kind of bring Antia back to the world of the living, right? Uh, so yeah, it's third person action adventure, narrative driven RPG. You know that it's don't nod, so you kind of know like what you're going to get. There's a lot of dialogue in this game, a lot of dialogue options where you get to choose different uh, responses to different uh, dialogue choices. So the the preview build that I had, it started off I think it was maybe like three or four missions into the game. I can't I kind of had a quick look at the um, at the menu. Uh, but I couldn't really tell. But essentially, you the game puts you at the start where it's going to be relevant to preview, right? So you have access to both characters. Uh, she's in the spirit world and you're in the living world. You press uh, triangle to switch between the two characters and they each have their own purpose in that sense, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but your main character, I think, is Red. So Red's obviously the one that's alive and he talks. So your, your mission is to find this person called Thickskin Newsmith who is a leader of a camp just outside in one of the forests um, in uh, New Eden. And you go and see her and she actually tasks you with uh, finding this beast, tracking down this beast that she believes isn't real, I I think, from memory. Um, So she actually, yeah, so she asks you to go and find this beast, uh, kill it because it's killing all these people or it's terrorizing, you know, this little camp that, that they've got, right? And... So that's pretty much the 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 mission, right? That's it's that kind of simple. So you meet this character at the start, and then you the end is obviously fighting this beast that you track down. Uh, that's probably takes across probably sixty to ninety minutes. I was doing a lot of exploration and fucking around and trying to look at every little note and stuff that I could find. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of like narrative, and you'll talk to like characters in the world, and there's a lot of exploration in the dual sense. So not as in like PlayStation 5, but like you have to use both characters to kind of explore. So there might be something that is available to see in the spirit world. So you have to switch your character to then identify this object. And then uh, Antia, I think that that's her name. She can make it appear in the real world. 
So one example is that like a, a, a corpse might be infused or whatever in this rock and she removes it from this infusion. I, that's, I'm making that word up in terms of, I don't know what the wording is in the game, but, and then he can then see that uh, person gets the corpse down and there's a note with it and, you know, and it gives you like backstory and lore kind of stuff. And there's other stuff like that that actually ties to the actual pushing the game forward. It's pretty narrative, uh, sorry, um, pretty linear. It's kind of has that, I don't want to say open world, but it has that, what's that word? Like what Like how, what would you call The Last of Us, James? What's that word for that? Uh, so like, sort of like like a linear action game, but occasionally kind of expands out. Like an hour, correct. no, like a reverse hourglass yeah. kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, uh, the order kind of thing, which was very much kind of an on rails linear you go this way, uh, even like an like an early Uncharted. You, it's very much on rails kind of thing. And this is this gives you a little bit of room to explore. Clearly, bit, you have, yeah. yeah. Clearly, you go. You've got to go one way. Like there's only one way kind of to get there. Um, but it's you know what you do off to the sides to get there. And the game will tell you before you progress into another area. The game, should, the game won't let you go forward if you haven't got all the stuff. Um, so there's no like wondering if you've got all this information you need to so that kind of limits that backtracking um but okay i'll finish quickly because i don't want to keep going on for ages but the next big part is obviously combat so combat you can once again you can use both characters so reed uh, red sorry has a sword and a musket um which is actually really really cool to like reload because it's not like a quick thing it's like it's actually quite slow to like reload um and he has a little sword and there's uh, your R1 and your R2 uh, are your uh, uh, quick attack and your heavy attack. Uh, you can hold that heavy attack to, to do more damage um, and you yeah, can slice and dice with the with the R1. The only gripe I have with the controls at the moment is that square is actually your health. When I think it should be on the D-pad uh, as, as one of the up and down buttons if you're going to... Because when combat kind of gets a bit chaotic or there's a lot, lot going on, you kind of... Because you know, you, you, dodge is circle, right? So there were times where I was stuck in those other games that are similar, where I was pushing square to to attack, right? Um, and I was using up all my all my health. Um, and your second character, uh, Antia, she is like a brawler, so she can like R one will like basically do like this punch, this punch thing, and then uh, the R two heavy attack is like a like a blast, like a magic blast, like a ghost blast. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the combat. Uh, it's very cool. I think it works like very well together. And you can interchange between the two characters. Each character has their own different health. There's a ton of options for upgrading, and there's a ton of like loot and stuff like that to find in the world. Um, boss fight itself was, eh, oh, that part I wasn't sold on so much. Um, was kind of a bit uh, limiting, like in terms of. And maybe it's just the stage that I'm at in the game where I don't have that many powers or I don't have that many weapons. But I was, it was just one of those things where you've got like three different bars to knock the enemy down um, and you're just chipping away at it, you know. Um, and because I didn't have any health things left, I had to make, I had to be like super, super cautious with, with not dying because um, there's this other function that is called a banish. So when this little banish meter charges up, you can use A uh, or X or cross, sorry, to um, banish a demon uh, or ghost, sorry, and it'll give you, um, uh, sometimes it gives you like some health stuff and most times it's an instant kill for a lot of like standard 
enemies. Voice acting is excellent so far. I really, really am enjoying the voice acting from both characters. And there's a lot of like good, like little banter or just even just discussion. And it's actually, uh, the ending, uh, presented me with a choice. And I was like, I don't want either of these two choices. Like both are good, but both are bad. Um, it's actually, it was, it was quite an emotional little, little part of the game too, which was quite, quite cool. Like it, from that little short gameplay, I, you know, I managed to feel like th- that choice felt like it had weight to it. You know, I actually chose to fucking sacrifice and kill one of the thick skin. So suck it. But, um, does it seem uh, like, um, those choices are going to be like a pretty like recurring part of the, the game or it does say that your chases, yeah, your choices shape, uh, the journey that you go on. Um, i don't really know how because i obviously haven't seen it but there's yeah like the game gives you a good amount of uh information to base your decision on and you're like yeah like that one was like are you an asshole or are you not and i was like "Mm, in this preview build i'm an asshole when i actually play the game i probably would have gone the softer choice but um but yeah that's Banishers Ghost of New New Eden comes out on November 7, PS5, Series XS, and PC. Very cool. Um, there'll be a preview up on the website. Hopefully, it's a bit more detailed than that. Uh, that's just off the top of my head. So, got my attention. Let's go to the big tickets this week. Uh, Nathan, you want to kick us off with Immortals of Avium? Sure can, Zach. So, yeah, we've just put up a review for Immortals of Avium, the new first-person, magical first-person shooter from Ascendant Studios, which is a quote-unquote independent AAA studio from, you know, big vets of the scene, uh, published under the EA Originals label, which we previously saw Wild Hearts published under. So, without bearing the lead here, right out of the gate, uh, this follows protagonist Jack in this fictional world of Avium, uh, which is full of these magical knights or battle mages waging a war of kind of like resources between the nations. The resource in question, of course, being magic, which is having there's this kind of environmental parable at play where as these nations draw upon magic and use this to power their technologies and, you know, create industrialization and these kinds of things, it's creating a kind of like a, a void right in the centre of their world. This this kind of, um, I don't know, climate change analogy, if you will. Uh, but what then happens is the war comes to Jack's doorstep, or, or at least uh, he is confronted by a tragedy quite early on in the game, sends off uh, a, a sparks of magical power in him, and he's revealed to have this untapped ability to use, like wield effectively all the different magics that's in this world. Uh, and he's of, also of like a lower class stratum of people. Most of the majors and battle knights are usually of some kind of aristocracy bred into the military, so on and so forth. So he comes as quite of a surprise. Uh, his character, whom you will play, obviously, uh, is a bit shit. But fortunately, most of his character is behind the screen. You will be in the driver's seat for much of this. So right at the start, you will have access to... Or rather, within the first few hours, you'll get access to three different flavors of magic. Blue, red, and... Blue, uh, heaven. Green. <laughs> and uh, blue is like a, like a kind of like a sniper or a heavy-duty pistol. The red's kind of your shotgun. And your green is more of an SMG, just for, again, like analogy parallels to first-person shooters. Now, if you 
if you're a kind of person that likes AAA first-person shooters, I think this is a game that you should probably be paying attention to. This, right off the bat, the first thing I'll discuss is the gameplay. So this is a game that, as I was playing through it, kind of gave me... I could see elements of pretty much every big AAA third, like first-person shooter over the past couple of decades. There was flavors of Bioshock, Bulletstorm, Half-Life, Halo, like any big number. This game's got something in it that nods respect to that. Uh, and right off the bat, the world that we that this takes place in, Avium, initially it kind of strikes me as this uh, arena shooter. So you'll be going through and you will be fighting off uh, the enemy mages, uh, the Roshanians, and you're a part of the Lucians as you are then, over the first three hours of the game or so, inducted into the Immortals of Avium. Uh, they're not Immortals, they're just like a crack elite unit of the military, dubbed the Immortals of Avium. They're very mortal, they just happen to be really powerful battle mages, that's all that and then uh, the game sort of takes the the gating off you after a few hours in and you realise that it's not just a series of linear arena shooters like Doom, for instance, where you're bouncing around and you've got double jumps and hovers and dashes and shit to make sure that you're always agile, but actually there's like an adventure game around this as well. So after a few hours in and you've been inducted into the Immortals and the game kind of goes, here's Avian, here's the world. There's a bunch of fast travel unlocked and you can actually kind of explore effectively the whole world of Avium. It's kind of condensed down into... It's not an open world game, but the game gives you the impression that this world is actually quite compact. So you'll be uh, traveling between the four different regions of Avium during the course of about 13 hours. And the story, it's not too crazy you know there's the enemy faction has some cards up their sleeve and they're going to make a push to overcome this great war this war is called the ever war apparently it's just always been waging and it pretty much always will be waging but the enemy team looks like they're about to turn the tables so a lot of the plot forward is just jack and some other immortals trying to figure out how they can stop this dude from getting ahead and it's a little bit confected. It doesn't really go as far as it needs to in keeping things interesting, particularly because this is a first-person shooter that has a lot of text logs, environmental story building and conversations, and all of the interesting like plot world development is kept pretty much outside of those cutscenes for the text logs, but those aren't the most effective ways to translate that story for for in like a AAA shooter sphere, particularly when it's as fast-paced as this. Uh, it's got some really cool puzzles and platforming that take place particularly in the open like in the open zones and some of the missions so there's a lot of laser puzzles where you will channel your spells into these uh, little lasers to try and coordinate them around the level get like a single laser to maybe hit three target points and open a door pretty simple stuff kind of it's a little bit talos principle a little bit portal it's all fantastic it's pretty straightforward and the platforming does a lot of Metroidvania shit, where as over the course of the game, you'll unlock some powers and you can go back to other parts of Avium that might have been closed off to you, open them up and explore at your own will. Exploring will net you gear, so you've got customizable rings and gauntlets and shit like that for your battle mage. It's got a, a visual aesthetic as well as stats. It's not super fleshed out, but it's enough for distraction to give you a little bit of that sort of Destiny or Borderlands progression to it. So it's it's fine. It's not nothing groundbreaking. And uh, throughout the entire game, from start to finish, you will, in every of the chapters, and there's about 18 or 19, as I said, it is a long game, it's got something new to throw at you in each of those chapters that means that this game never really gets repetitive and you've never really seen everything. Like, everything is 
got a little bit of unique flavor to it so it's a game that kind of kept me surprised the whole way through whether it was a new spell a new enemy type or just a whole new set piece this game does epic set pieces battlegrounds uh with like huge sort of mechs uh, magical battle mechs floating around and all kinds of spectral shit going on it's very exciting couple of minor points here, things that weighed against us, as I said at the top there, Jack, he's not very interesting, he's kind of a bit shit. All the characters in the game hate him, and so hence you will hate him as well. Whenever he opens his mouth, it's usually just sarcastic observations rather than actually pushing the plot forward or having any kind of character development. He's usually, it's just sarcastic quips. Everyone tells him to shut the fuck up. Usually just tell him to shut the fuck up. So that's not super endearing, and that's a bit of a shame. Uh, there's a, we played this on Xbox Series X. It ran pretty well throughout. There's no graphical options, surprisingly. So it's a one-size-fits-all, but only very rarely did I see any graphics pop in. Very, very rarely. And usually when the game was pushing its combat to the absolute limits, like the most white-knuckle shit where your heart's in your mouth, you might see a little bit of a frame drop. But even that was very rare. Very rare compared to a game that I played recently like Jedi Survivor. And I don't know if we really marked that down on on those technical issues. And this has less than that. And this is an Unreal 5 action game. So this is looking brilliant. Uh, here it's not performing as well on the other platforms. And that's probably all I'd say from the top. That's Immortals of Avium. It actually came as a huge surprise because this just struck me as a pew-pew doom-like with, you know, magic finger guns and not a whole lot else. There's actually a lot of game here. A lot I haven't even talked about because there is so much there to surprise. It's not worth spoiling it, but but this is a great long weekend game. I think it's you know thirteen hours top to bottom, and um, yeah, real decent. Can I ask? Um, so I saw like a hands off preview for this uh, ages ago at this point, um, mm. but there was a, a line that I noted in my preview. Um, one of the characters says like politics, land, ideology, all of this is secondary to the control of magic, and that was like a red flag for me at the time of like if. If that's your attitude towards the world you're building, like what is the final product going to look like? Do you think that Avium itself is like a holistic vision of a society or is it just a setting for a shooter? So we don't see society, but we see a lot of the, the like that sort of ideological politics and that layered on the top. The funny thing is, is getting a line like that, I assume that's probably come from the quote unquote good guys, but this game does a lot of work to try and blur what is good and bad. The, the fact right. of the matter is, all these nations, they all... Are, the game at the right at the outset says none of these guys are good or bad. They've all got the same motivations. They just want dominance. And the game has a pretty good way of kind of situating Jack as also not a good guy. Like, mm -hmm. he's just another person, another pawn used to exploit this world. We don't see a whole lot about the humans in the world outside of the start of it where you do get a very stratified society. And that's really, really cool. But the game kind of does push that to the back. And all of its commentary on society and politics is usually opaque and divisive anyway. It's not a game that necessarily wants to tread in blacks and whites kind of greys. But this is obviously undercut by it's just its very immature main character <laughs> at like every point in time. Cool. I, I have two questions. Um, one is, does a character need to be likable to be good? And in this case, is he shit on both accounts so i want to use joel maybe as it's the first person that's like the mm. first character that came to my mind we know he is his actions in his in his world he's not a likable dude right like he's he's a he's a knob mm. but mm. you're saying that he's a shit character everyone tells him to shut up is he just like is he's unlikable 
I don't know what the question is, you, but just answer it. So I know what you're saying. Like, is are we being kind of like set up to not like this character or is he just inherently unlikable? The way it often comes across is this is a caricature of, I, I got the impression that this is a caricature of a, of a Zuma, like a real young kid who's kind of super optimistic, maybe a little bit naive about how he sees the world. And that's kind of how it starts off initially. And that's forgivable, right? Because he's only, like, when we first meet him, he's like 15 years old. But then five years pass, he's 20, he's gone through his military training, he's come out the top, and he's still kind of got a bit of that naivety of someone who's kind of come from the slums, which he has. But at every point in time when there's any kind of conviction in character conversation or someone's discussing something that's maybe of importance, he ha always has to undercut the importance with quips. Or saying, why does this matter? Who really cares? You know, can we just go home and eat some Doritos? He's very dismissive. And then what happens is, is whenever the game is building up to any kind of emotional crescendo, and this is, I'm talking specifically the cutscenes, because when cutscenes aren't occurring, he's not a, really a factor. When you're in the player's seat, he doesn't exist. So it's just cutscenes. Whenever the game's building towards any kind of emotional resonance, He's just got something dumb to say, and whatever the characters were talking about, whether it be the fate of Avium, they just immediately then start taking shots at Jack, and it just becomes a pissing contest. That's effectively right. what a lot of cutscenes boil down to. When he's not okay. on screen, brilliant. You don't know he exists, because he's not one of those narrators that's constantly talking over the action. Second question. This is a, a question for kind of for everyone, but more maybe for you and maybe I, just because we're playing new IPs, right? So mm. I know that like we all we all talk about how we want more new IPs. We don't want we want less sequels. We want more new ideas. Fuck yeah. This game, probably more like more this game because it's out now. Yeah. And maybe banishes, but that's still kind of a lesser tier to a degree. Like it's probably more double A than triple A. I, I would say. There's been very little hype for Immortals of Avium. Um, are you surprised? Are you sad? Like, how do we get more people invested in these new IPs? I mean, probably launching in the period that it is is probably not the best idea. Um, they maybe could have shelved it for the time being or, you know, kept polishing mm. on other platforms until, you know, a better gap opens up. Yeah, see, this thing has this. This obviously has the curse of being the first impression of this new IP, and it's got a lot to prove, obviously. And it's coming out at a time where a lot of games are coming out with sequels that don't need to prove themselves. So, do you want to take a risk on this new IP? That's a shame. I think it's coming out at a at a odd time. I do think the marketing hasn't done much for it. Like I've said to James a few times, so we've talked about this. The marketing turned me off for this game pretty bad because. It markets its characters as being its characters and its magic as the two main draws of what the game has. I think the magic is definitely a big draw. I think the characters seem to, they feel like they've been bolted on at the last minute because there's a lot of storytelling in this world that is very much at odds with the tone of the story that we get delivered through the characters. They, they do feel kind of like an afterthought. So I think the best parts of this game haven't really been represented in the marketing because maybe they're a little bit boring. You know, my favourite moments were walking around in Avium between combat and just testing the limits of exploration and what this game had to offer me and finding really cool new things that made me more interested in this world. How do you sell that in a vertical slice? It's it's a tricky one. I think the talent here is more... I don't know how they capture the, the talent in the marketing, but this is a, a really promising new IP, I think. Mm. It's just, it just feels that like everyone says they want new IPs, but no one's willing to actually... 
give it a take the risk. Yeah, yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, and I do um, think that James, might be the case here. I mean, I do how wonder do how much of that is like I on on paper, right? First person magical shooter. Cool. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Um, and then the moment you see or hear Jack, it's like fuck off. Um, <laughs> and, and I know that that's like, <laughs> it's not because he's like unlikable necessarily. Like to your point earlier, I think Ellie's a really good example in the last of us of a character who becomes like fundamentally unlikable, but is still very compelling for it. Um, Correct. but like mm. Jack is just cause you spelled it differently. Doesn't mean you're not just giving us another like white dude named Jack <laughs> in the, in the lead role of a video game. Right. Like I think Correct. that the reason why this doesn't hit maybe for a lot of people is because the face of it is the most boring version they could possibly imagine. I think that's why Banishers is a good example of something that I was gravitated towards because it had dual leads, man and a woman, they're in love. Like we don't see a lot of romance in video games. Like there's a lot already cooking there in that initial Mm. premise alone. Whereas just smart Alec fucking dickwad who has cool magical powers and joins an army is not interesting. One, one thing I'll say to redeem hopefully the future of this game is it's not like Jack is not integral to this game at all. He just happens to be someone that they've put in the role to follow this game. Mm. Most interesting characters from the supporting cast. But as I said, you won't really get to appreciate them because then Jack comes in and obliterates the whatever conversation you're having with them. For a sequel, they could easily throw Jack out. As I said, he's not the anchor of this game. They could do a sequel mm. with some of the recurring cast or just throw the cast out. There is a, easily enough of an interesting world and base here to keep going. And that's one thing very, just while, before we wrap up, that's one thing I love about Don't Nod is they, they're always making new games, right? I mean, aside from maybe Your Life is Strange, there's always something new. Like, look at all the games they got going on. It's There's no sequels. I mean, whether that's because none of them are sell well enough to get a sequel or they just want to just push through. Um, but, yeah. I think I think James, I think you'll you'll dig banishes. I hope you'll, yeah, you'll dig I'm sure banishes. I will. So. And it sounds like I'd enjoy Immortals of Avium as well. Like it yeah, definitely yeah. sounds like there's a, a lot of good going on in there. It's just a matter of making time and especially in this particular window is mm. it's not the right time to release this. Um and, yeah. and no, look, the last thing yeah. I'd say is it's all killer, no filler. This is a game that had no downtime for me, and so thirteen hours and eight point five, I was I was very happy with my time. And no microtransactions, just you know No, it's just it's just the plain old single player first person get in hit the credits there's an end game there if you want it otherwise happy days they're not trying to upsell you on nothing going for uh 90 bucks price? standard edition but i think okay. there's a deluxe edition that i can't comment too much on sure uh Rand, do you have any interest in immortals or banishes um I mean, they sound interesting from what you guys have um put out there but like everyone has already said like it's such a jam-packed uh, time of the year and I think anyone who releases a game during this time is going to have their work cut out for them uh, and but Zach what you said about you know gamers wanting new IPs like I feel like it's it feels a little bit like a not a pipe dream but like it's one thing to want something but then like the actual uh, the actual process of supporting those new ideas, those new games, like it's not as bright and shiny as I think people think it is. Um, you're not going to get like a brand new idea that is triple A these days, like not always. So it's like I think people need to be a little bit more open-minded when they say I want new ideas in games when there's a lot happening in the indie space. 
And if they, if people are feeling like, you know, the big titles aren't cutting it for them, maybe they need to look a little bit more closer to home. Like look at some of the really amazing Australian titles, Australian indie games that are coming out. Like there, there, there is so much out there and I think people just need to look and stop being lazy. Mm. And I think um, if you delete one of those A's, if you if you look in the double A space, there's there's oh, yeah. tons of cool shit going yeah. on. So um, I think yeah, like you like you're right, it is very expensive to make a triple A new IP these days. And it's a big risk for all the all the big companies really. So anyway, we hope uh, we hope we see more. But speaking of sequels, no, James is going to say something. No, no, uh, sorry, on. you just you said something that reminded me. But like to that point, you know, it's nice to see EA of all people with their originals label be the ones Isn't to it? support new IP. Um, yeah, like Wild Hearts obviously was earlier this year, like last yeah, year, it was like February. Time uh, I still got my yeah. PlayStation every now yeah. and then. Yeah, um, was that so this yeah. Year? yeah, yeah, weird, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that was all. Yeah, this it's a very interesting starting label to keep an eye on right now. EA mm. Originals, what you doing? Very much and feels like um, EA's kind of image rehabilitation mm. after <laughs> years of being the, I don't know, the worst company of all time. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing, that. wasn't it? There's it still was, time. yeah. There's still time. There's it's still a redemption arc, you know. Um, but no, James and I spoke about that very quickly, but it seems like EA Originals um, vision or the, their goals have have grown with every title kind of thing. Uh, like you yeah. compare, like Absolutely. I think Unravel mm-hmm. was their first one yep. or one of their first. I can't remember if it was their first. but was It com- Takes Two an EA original or am I making yep. that up? Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was EA originals, yeah. So you look at Unravel and, you know, It Takes Two and now you look at Immortals, you know, you're getting mm. pretty much a, a triple-A single-player game versus a indie, let's call it, um, yeah. little platformer kind of thing, which is very, very cool. Beautiful game. All right, James, you yes. you love a sequel so much you play six of six six of, of them same game. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. Right. Uh, you want to fuck robots? Tell us about it. I do. I do. Especially these robots. Um. So Armored Core Six: Fires of Rubicon. It has been about a decade since we've had an Armored Core game. So despite the fact that this is labeled as six, um, it is effectively just a soft reboot for the franchise. Like Fires of Rubicon is the title to pay attention to here. So you don't need to be intimidated by the the number behind it. Um. Obviously. Uh, it's been a big 10 years for FromSoft. You know, we, we've seen that developer go through quite a bit. Um, they've, you know, created their own genre in this space. Uh, and I think that a lot of people would probably be expecting some of those lessons to be applied to a returning IP from from this franchise. Um, and it it hasn't really happened. Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon is an Armored Core Us Armored Core game. Um, I think mostly for better, a little bit for worse, but we'll, we can get to that. Um, so for those who are unaware, this is a third person action game, primarily third person shooter, but there are some melee options as well. There's a lot of very fast traversal options because you are piloting a giant fuck off mech. Um, it breaks down into two core phases. Um, one half of the game is a impossibly deep customization, um, sim basically, where you can build your entire mech up from, from the, the ground up basically. So legs, arms, uh, body, head, up to four weapons can be applied then you've got internal software the battery the machine is using uh additional upgrades os tuning um you can paint it sorry the color the color mate the color i didn't go teal i didn't go teal for this one (laughs) it it didn't look quite right on the battlefield but 
you can paint this thing any combination of colors you want. Yeah, well, it's something. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to that point, while we're here actually talking about paint, because this is a, a big part of the game for me, um, choose a color. Then you can choose, like, the weathering you layer on top, the shininess of the paint, uh, patterning that goes underneath it. Like, And you can do that for individual parts, individual weapons. So you can make things look as your version of a mech as, as much as you'd like, which is obviously a fantastic place to start. Um, the other part of the game being the the FromSoft combat. Um, so this is, they call them sorties, but they're just missions basically. These can run you anywhere from five minutes where you take down a small enemy encampment on Rubicon, which is the planet in the game. Um, these are pretty easy, power fantasy, great moments. Then there's the, the other sort of style of mission, which are these big bombastic set pieces, which often involve boss fights, which are fucking brutal um th this game can be really really difficult at times in a way that i did find a little bit frustrating because to go from elden ring where they've kind of made this expansive world where if you run into a roadblock you can simply walk around it right like there are so many other things you can do in that game that kind of offset the uh, somewhat infamous from software difficulty right the prepare to die shit didn't come out of nowhere and here it is very much a return to that because like armored core is a, a linear action game like you have a set of missions you can choose from there are some training missions you can run through and a couple of like digitized like fake fights with other mechs that you can do they offer you uh, a couple of rewards here and there so you can buy some better stuff but for the most part it, if you can't beat that next boss you are not progressing into this game um, and so that does throw up some pretty hard roadblocks, which can be frustrating, especially if you're coming off of something like Elden Ring. The flip side to that being, though, that the combat here is just perfected, basically. You know, you've got a lot of different systems that you're managing. There's an energy meter, your health bar, your health resource for refilling it, um, different ammo systems. All of this is like sort of blaring at you at once at the same time as a bunch of other robots have their own systems they're managing and throwing at you in turn. Um, it is exhausting at times. It's very overwhelming at times, but it is just really, really satisfying in a way that I think Sekiro comes closest to, uh, in, in a complete opposite way. Sekiro is basically a one parry game. This is like having six different parries to keep track of at any given moment, but they both hit a very similar cadence for me as a player, because like, while I did feel very overwhelmed, I always sort of, I got back up with a smile every time I got hit back down because I was like, I can see you, I see what you're doing to me and I will find a way to stop you from doing it. Um, so that stuff worked out really well for me. Love the combat. Net customization is obviously fantastic. Um, I'm a big fan of the way FromSoft tells their stories, obviously. Uh, Rubicon is a really great setting for a video game. It's sort of a very primordial plateau of a planet that is somewhere between, you know, these kind of like horrifically uh, scarred uh, nature landscapes and really massive man-made structures made of entirely like steel and metal. Um, it's because Rubicon is home to this substance called coral, which is like a metaphysical uh, fuel source that has basically caused a massive galaxy-wide fire at some point and now everybody is racing back to Rubicon to uh, get the last remains of, of the coral to fuel their various systems. There's a bunch of different competing factions. The narrative has like several different outcomes that can change based on your choices that you make during your missions. Um, some of them are even locked behind New Game Plus as like a, a true ending quote-unquote. Um, but yeah it's just it's a lot of its story and this is the part that I think might turn some players off a little bit is that this story is told in a lot of very static images and voiceovers. The, there are cutscenes in the game and they are beautifully rendered. Um, this is a game that runs impossibly well on PlayStation 5, like 60 FPS HDR on that, that kind of stuff. And it looks stunning when it does do those things. 
Um, but for the most part, this is a story told through com chatter and text logs and it's from soft. It's, it's abstract. It's strange. It's got a lot of humor in there as well, but if you can't imagine a story in your mind, then I think a lot of this is going to miss for you. It requires you to show up to Armored Core for this, basically, which is a series staple. And like there was a lot of stuff here that is a series staple. But still, if you're coming off of like Elden Ring, for example, this is again going to be a bit of a, a shock for you. Um, I loved it. Obviously, I, 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 there's not enough good that I can say about it in the world. I, I really enjoyed this thing. Um, does anyone have any questions? I want to hear about the the bad stuff first because you said there was something some things that frustrate you. Uh, yeah, so the linearity is is a bit of a frustration. Like I spent about two hours on a single boss fight, and then about four hours trying to work my way up to do another boss fight. Um, like it was, and that's the thing. Like you get in your own head, right? You get in your own way. Your palms get sweaty. You start overthinking all your moves. You start dodging when you shouldn't dodge. It's a very from software experience, right? Um, but unlike in even Souls games, right, where they are also linear experiences, you can often grind levels out, right? And so you can just naturally buff yourself back up to make that fight easier for you. Um, in this game, you don't really have that option. And so that that can be a little bit frustrating. I don't think it's a flaw necessarily, but it is something that will put a bit of like dirt in the gears, I guess. Um, and on the topic of those boss fights, there are just very occasional times when the bosses will sort of fly out of the play zone that's been designated to you. And so your melee and up close options no longer work because it has gone out of a zone that you can reach. And that does feel very unfair because if you can be like moments away from victory and that motherfucker just skips on out of there and then comes back after you've discharged your sword, that is very frustrating. I do wonder, James, mm. uh, who, who is this game for? It's for Armored Core fans. <laughs> it's, like, this is... Okay. Um, <laughs> like I, I think from software, you know, they've obviously had a very financially successful decade. Um, and this is one of the first things I noted when I saw this game get revealed. Like it is shocking to me that you pivot off of your most popular title in history and then you make a niche mech fighting game again. Um, and I do think that this is niche. It's not going to appeal to everybody. I think a lot of people will bounce right off of this. Um, but if you can find a rhythm with it, like you do find those core from software things that everyone's come to love. They're just buried under a lot of blood and steel <laughs> and uh just on that and i should know the answer to this i don't because admittedly i've been a bit ignorant of this game multiplayer is that a thing there is multiplayer i was not able to do any of the multiplayer the like during the review cycle obviously servers were down but there is up to i think 3v3 pvp modes it's purely pvp though so there's no co-op or anything oh, like cool. that um but yes and players can spectate freely in the arena is my understanding um this has been like a again a staple for the franchise and i know that just reading the sort of the community reactions to what they've been saying i think people are very excited about that there you go yeah how long roughly to roll credits it's going to depend entirely on your skill level. Um, so you, I think there's about three or four acts that you have to get through. Um, again, if you spend two and a half hours on a boss, that's going to drastically sort of increase where you're, where you're headed with that. So it's like most FromSoft games, once you know what you're doing, you can probably blaze through this thing. And that new game plus, that constant customization, always unlocking new units to strap onto yourself, that's where the true core gameplay is. So I don't think it's necessarily about length, but yeah, it's just going to vary from player to player. The only reason why I ask is because, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong, because I've not played them, but are Dark Souls linear games? Relatively, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Dark Souls 3 opened up a little bit, but it was mostly about pulling you, again, like like we were talking about with Banishers, where it always pulls you back onto that core path. Yeah, okay, yeah. 
but yeah, that's just why I was wondering if it's more linear than. Yeah, I mean, like it is just purely missions. You know, there's there's no world to explore here. Like you you jump in, you do your mission, you you get pulled back out. Um, so yes, Adam, I have one very quick question. Um, I know that I haven't played an Armored Core game in a scary scary amount of time. Like I think Armored Core Four, which was two thousand. Oh, yeah. Seven, six, maybe. Something I don't know. Like that, yeah. Um, but I remember all of the the options. Kind of like you could you could kit out your mech with whatever weapons you like, whatever your play style. Kind of wherever it took you is kind of the the options you had. I'm guessing it's very much the same here. But did you find the balance <clears throat> of those weapons to be pretty on point or are we expecting that there's going to be like disgusting builds like two days in when people go in and find the ultra best yeah. kit it out? I, I give this particular audience 24 hours before they break this shit open. Like, yeah. and, and <laughs> good for them, honestly. Like I, I want people to find better ways to do things than I had to struggle through doing them. I would have killed for a good. Reddit thread um, at any given moment. But like I did find, like I, I cycled through a fair few different options trying to fight some of these bosses. And each one was like, this doesn't work for me, but it does work. Um, and so everything did feel relatively balanced. Cool. You just needed to find your particular groove. Yeah, sick. Yeah. Uh, one quick last one. Uh, Jewel Sense. Does it, how's it feel? On the- Nothing. I was Nothing. heartbroken because, ah. like, this game is a lot about the trigger play because uh, obviously a lot of guns. Um, yeah, and not not much going on in that regard, which really broke my heart. That's mm. bummer. Yeah. No good. No good. Oh, it's cool. Great game though. Oh yeah, uh, nine point five. Loved it. Woo-hoo. Oh, wowza! Wowza! But you know what's better than Armored Core, according to Jordan? That is Baldur's Gate that 3. <laughs> so you know what? He could be onto something. <laughs> he has slapped a big, fat, juicy, double-digit 10 on this one. He says that Larian's mastery of RPGs is in full swing with Baldur's Gate 3, and at no point does the game pull its punches. This game is nothing short of a masterpiece. Might have mm. 10 out of 10. So, thanks for coming. It's quite Good a job. few people who would agree with him. I there think are the quite a few. Is, so. is, yeah. I had a look on Steam today, and I'm going to have another quick look. But I, I was complaining to, to Ash about people review bombing shit because I think it's a shitty practice. Yeah. But on Steam, there are over 200,000 reviews for Baldur's Gate 3, and it's one of the only games I've seen with the tag is overwhelmingly positive, <laughs> which is yeah. just crazy, crazy to mm. see. I can believe um, it. Was it? I don't know if it was in our Slack channel, but I've seen it elsewhere as well. But that that particular review review bomb that has been going, been doing the rounds. Overwatch they're like, two. yeah. Is was it, oh, it? Yeah, it's yeah. Overwatch two is mm. the the one. Oh. the the China community on Steam. Is that's it? the one that sparked our conversation? Yeah. Right, but that's not, but there but there is one for Baldur's Gate three though. I swear. As anyway, I was we'll moving on from that. that. Yeah, I will find it if if I find it. If not, forget about it. Uh, other shout outs. Let's go to Ash, Mr. Ash Whaling. He is being a very busy man. That beard is being in a lot of action. Uh, he <laughs> says, sorry, he's reviewed the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood, uh, which is a good game from uh, from what he says because he writes the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood drinks deep from the well of creativity, shattering whatever narrative mold you may have expected to deliver a magical 
fortune telling experience you'll find hard to forget eight out of ten review on the website there he's also written up a piece on red dead redemption's uh uh playstation 4 and switch port that's a very interesting read you can go read that uh the just quickly before you jump across from it the the crux of his article was that he was able to buy a ps3 and a pre-owned copy of red dead for five dollars cheaper than the price that they're asking for the the ps4 Mm. which is fun yeah. two controllers yeah 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 i, I was on yeah, another so that- podcast and mentioned that and they were like what and i was like <laughs> yeah that's yeah pretty great it's very much <laughs> worth a read so jump over to the website give it a read yeah uh, yeah, that is. Um, so, if you're listening from international somewhere else, uh, it is it's Australian seventy dollars here, or seventy yeah. Australian dollars, uh, which is fucking insane, actually. Mm. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous. But it's you know, it's the cost of the market, bro. You know, the market doesn't lie. Eat my ass. Shit. Okay. Well, that that got <laughs> escalated. I did. That was very quick. So all I have to do is. Overcharge you for something and I <laughs> straight in there. Not even a question. Feast, boys. All right. So, uh, shout outs to also to Adam. Do you want to do your own shout outs or do you want shout out boy? Yeah, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's the WrestleQuest review. I landed on a 5.5 because many of the, the gripes I had with the game being overly long and the combat being a little bit stilted uh, stand. So, yeah, unfortunate. I think it's a, a very cool niche game, but it just, yeah, wrestling RPG doesn't quite meld as well as I was hoping it would. Mm. Two more very, very quick shout outs. Uh, Rhiannon has published her Astronaut, the best reviews. You can read that up on the website. Uh, a little write up for that one, which is still got a wicked little art style. Uh, and the second mm. shout out is speaking of Immortals, I meant to mention it before, but James actually spoke to the combat lead, Jason Warnock. Warnock, uh, which is a very very cool uh, great interview up on yeah. up on the site. Great chat. He seems like a very in that interview he was very talkative and very excited about what the information he was giving. At least that's how I yeah. absorb those words. And um, yeah, if you like the cut of Immortals Jib, then go check that out. If not, give it a click. We like ad revenue. Let's move on to James. Yeah. Well, look, before we, I guess, hit the the rest of the news, uh, the the reason we delayed our recording was because of Gamescom's uh, opening night, Jeff Keighley's little Splendor Tour extravaganza. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, Jeff does Germany, you mean? (laughs) Yes. Oh, good. (laughs) Solid, solid. Very good. See, I'd watch that. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, you guys. Come on. You did walk straight into it. That's not our fault. Set them up, knock them down. (laughs) Um, Do we just want to quickly go around the the group and sort of note on what is, did anything stand out from this little uh, showcase to to you personally? Is everyone ready to go? Because I don't have a list. I I know what stood out to me. Um, oh, here it is. Our friends at Press Start did a wonderful little collection of everything yes, that's announced. Yes. Mate, if you want to jump over there, I, I, I will happily yeah. go first if everyone wants a second to familiarize themselves. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, 
unsurprising given what I just spoke about before, but Black Myth Wukong uh, continues to look like exactly my kind of shit. Um, this looks like a vaguely Souls-like take on the Monkey King uh, story, which is like a fucking old time. I think the last time we saw this in the game was um, Journey to the West. Does, any, does that ring a bell for anybody else? Enslaved. Yeah, Enslaved, that's it. Great By game, I thought. Yeah, I would very much like a remaster of that. Not a $70 one, but perhaps, you know. Good luck. Yes. Um, no, yeah, no, this this looks really cool. Um, I am very much into everything that's doing. Um, incredible character design. Looks like it's going to be very boss fight focused. Um, the world looks stunning. Um, the, the trailer itself kicking off with like a headless dude playing the little fucking, you know, not guitar, um, strumming away, singing his song. Loved it. Uh, very, very James vibes on this one. And it just continues to look fantastic. A few previews have dropped for it as well. Oh, um, okay. That a couple of outlets have got to tickle the game and it's largely positive, which is excellent. Really. Yeah. Good to hear. Good shit. Good shit. Got some anime RPG shit happening over at Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Ooh. Apparently this one got a showing. I've always had a bit of an eye on this. This game seems to come up like uh, a couple of times every year for a long time. Like this, this game's been on my radar for at least three years now. Uh, it looks super sexy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I know there's a fighting game in this series as well, but Relink looks to be the big proper, assumedly open world JRPG type of thing. Tickles the weave in me. Let's go. <laughs> this does look like a very Nathan game. I'm just scrubbing through the trailer now. <laughs> it does. It very much does. Rhiannon, anything jump out at you? Uh, outside of the absolute cliche answer of Starfield, um, I, I shed many a tear, many a tear over just the sheer beauty that is that game and... I just so James. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, Starfield. Yes, After yes, all that. that one. Yeah, Starfield. After all that, Starfield. Um, okay. Just anything oh, the, new. Anything new? Okay, so um, there was. A, I was I was fascinated at first because I I love a good like dystopian societal like um. Uh, often like about like the society in the future if like we run out of humans or we become infertile or like you mm -hmm. know like editing human if genomes and like stuff like that it's a vibe um and i first when i saw the killing floor three <laughs> trailer i was like yeah. oh okay and i was, yes. <laughs> I was like oh Okay, maybe. Um, so that was interesting for sure. Uh, obviously, definitely different to my to my first tears. Now, uh, tears. It's good to have balance, though. That's a good yeah, balance. It, it's in the name Doom Cutie, uh, as most people know yeah, me as. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. My favorite cutie is Adam, though. What are What are you excited about? Uh, Little Nightmares Three, baby, all yeah. the way. Um, I absolutely love the the first two games and. I, I've played both of them with Key sitting next to me watching me play it. Um, she's been very invested as well. So the fact that we watched the trailer for this this morning um, and she was like, oh, sweet, can't wait to, to watch you play this one. And I said, well, actually, <laughs> funny you say that because this one has co-op. Um, so we're, it, 
it matches for us very well. It is developed by Supermassive this time, though, instead of Tarsia Studios, which is Whoa. an interesting little change up. Um, Supermassive being the Until Dawn and the Quarry folks. Oh, um, so it is jumping developer. It's a, it's yeah, very strange. You wouldn't know it from looking at the trailer though, because it does look, it does match the kind of vibe and aesthetic of the the other two games in the series. So I'm keen to see what they do with it. Um, I'd love to know why the change of developer, that's kind of a, a different story for a different time, but, um, yeah, I'm very, very excited. Nonetheless, that series is really, really great. Hot. Zach. Uh, I'm trying to find the game that I saw. I cannot find, it's not in the list. So maybe it wasn't at Gamescom, but it was announced during Gamescom. So that still counts. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the actual show, I'm really glad to see Dustborn again. Oh, no, it was going to be Dustborn. Early 2024. Yeah. But um, that's, you know, that's old news. The other game is the new game from Panic. It's like the cartoony, the thank God, thank goodness you're here. My God, That's a TV cool. show. Absolutely. I'm so it's glad awesome. they brought that back. I've heard uh, yeah, really good things. New, yeah. seasons, new season stinks, I reckon. Oh, I haven't watched it, but I did like the OG. So this is called Thank Goodness You're Here. It was revealed 15 hours ago. Okay. This looks this looks kind of neat. Um, oh, yeah, I see it. Thank Goodness You're Here game. Very good. Yeah, so I'm just trying to... Yeah. So after arriving early for a big meeting with the mayor of a bizarre northern English town, a travelling salesman takes time to explore and meet the locals who are all very eager to give him a series of increasingly odd jobs. And it's this super really cool, like, cartoony art style, you know, very much my kind of jam. It does look like your kind of jam. It does look good, though. I don't know what the gameplay is at all from watching this Neither trailer, but I'm very here for it. Uh, so that would probably be it uh, that I can think of. Uh, the rest is all fine. That's fair. Um, how do we all feel about Jeff Keighley's stage getting crashed once again? Rolled my <laughs> fucking eyes. Mm. I think he dealt with it really well. Um, I, uh, what, what was I don't give a fuck about Was it the- Starfield? Uh, he was in the middle yeah, yeah. of talking about Starfield. He was about he to, and... he, yeah, he was about to introduce Todd Howard to the stage, and um, yeah, some uh, a, a, a person the from the crowd. Uh, he's like, he's just we want GTA, GTA Six. We want GTA oh, Six. Right. Sorry. And yeah, uh, yeah he <laughs> Jeff Keighley made no. Um, uh, it's very somber about it. He was. He was just. Yeah. He was very. He was. He was expressing expressing his displeasure quite quite uh, intently, which was he interesting. Was again. Just disappointed. He was right. He was right though. Being like, yeah. if people keep doing this shit, then people won't want to come on stage to to present yeah. things, and we just won't get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we won't get things like this in the future. If yeah, keep being fuckwits. So. I agree with him. Mm -hmm. But how do they get on? That's what I was wondering, right? Especially after the the previous event. Um, I think this one happens. Bill Cosby, Rabbi Kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was Bill Clinton, wasn't it? Was it the same? Uh, Oh, it was Bill Clinton. Yeah, Yeah, shit. No, I think they were right up against the stage. Like there was nothing, there was nothing between, there wasn't like a barrier that he had to like jump over to like Mm. get to the stage edge. So it's not like a concert or anything like that. Um, You need a barrier. Well, that's he might actually need one, yeah. Because, um, I mean, this shit is, like, simultaneously very embarrassing, I think, for, you know, gamers, quote-unquote. But it's also just, like, a 
a pretty scary sort of invasion of personal space. You know, like that dude could have done yeah, anything the moment he was up there. Yeah. And like watching that live stream, like seeing that happen, it's always a bit of a like, Ugh, feeling. Um, yeah. What are we in for? Yeah. But it's also, it wasn't funny. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Anyway. yeah um, fuck that guy. Shocking. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Not shout outs to him. No. No shout outs. No shout outs for him at all. No. Uh, let's just do a hard pivot here. Um, Via Axios, uh, we have some details on the cancelled Immortals Phoenix Rising, I think was the subtitle of the first game, but this is the the Ubisoft kind of cartoonish take on the vaguely open-world Assassin's Creed formula. Um, Recently, we did learn that they had cancelled the sequel because they wanted to focus on more established IPs, and we have now learned that uh, this game was meant to be Thoroughly breaking my heart here. A mix of Elden mm. Ring, Wind Waker, set across a fictionalized Polynesian archipelago that stretched from New Zealand to Hawaii and was meant to be a break from the Ubisoft formula. This sounds like the kind of game you should be fucking releasing. Yeah, um, that is a pitch. Yeah, yeah I, I do not understand. I, I, I saw some people speculating that a lot of these ideas will now end up in whatever the next Assassin's Creed is because obviously Ubisoft is very concerned with packaging things in established IP, um, but that is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a real shame. And just after we were talking about new IPs and breaking through and them, you know, continuing on and being able to iterate on new ideas, Mm -hmm. it's a shame that for a company like Ubisoft, they can't back a second helping of a new idea. But I mean, yeah, we all know how And they don't even bring back the bloody IP we want, Splinter Cell. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, they they bring back Splinter Cell, nah. just not how we want it. Oh, nah. They wheel out Fisher every fucking year. Yep. They put him in X every Defiant. other IP apart from his own. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, he's got a whole group in X Defiant. I don't know. Okay. This room kind of reminded me of how uneventful this news was, but I don't remember years ago. I don't remember how long. Could be three years. Could be five years. But a guy from Ubisoft left, right? Or was given the boot. I think it was when they had all those sexual accusations, uh, sexual mi- yeah. mis- misconduct stuff go down. And he was supposedly the overarching nemesis of the dictator who would be like, no, your game has to have these formulas in it, right? And now then he got the boot. So they mm. were like, there was th- theories that um, their games would open up a bit, a bit more and be a bit more creative and stuff. And apparently mm. not. It's a shame. Yeah. 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 Ubisoft is... Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Ubisoft is also in the news this week because of a uh, an odd sort of collaboration that it's uh, announced with Microsoft. So um, I guess in a bid to... Uh, appease the UK regulatory boards around the Activision Blizzard acquisition. Uh, Microsoft has decided to sell off the Activision cloud gaming rights to Ubisoft. Um, I'm just going to quote directly from Microsoft's president, Brad Smith, here because there's a lot of dense language I don't want to get incorrect here. Um, to address about to address concerns about the impact of the proposed acquisition on cloud gaming streaming raised by the UK Competition and Markets Authority, we are restructuring the transaction to acquire a narrower set of rights. This includes executing an agreement effective at the closing of our merger that transfers the cloud streaming rights for all current and new Activision Blizzard PC and console games released over the next 15 years to Ubisoft Entertainment, a leading global gaming publisher. Uh, The rights will be in perpetuity. Ubisoft will compensate Microsoft for the cloud streaming rights to 
Activision Blizzard games through a one-off payment and through a market-based wholesale pricing mechanism, including an option that supports pricing based on usage. It will also give Ubisoft the opportunity to offer Activision Blizzard games to cloud gaming services running non-Windows operating systems. This has kicked off a new investigation by the regulatory board that could last through October. Um, what do we think? Microsoft doing its thing. We, uh, are we allowed to have opinions on cloud gaming streaming down here? Well, <laughs> it is pretty much out of our wheelhouse, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, mm. good for those that can, right? Mm. But I, I don't... Oh, sorry. No, I was just I don't really quite... Why? Yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around the, the mechanics of the financial compensation in this yeah, situation like because if you own Activision so. Blizzard, you sell those rights to stream those games to somebody else who then in turn has to pay you to stream those games. Why? Like, what? What's the separation here? Like, I don't. Yeah. What? What are you really giving away? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Odd one. Ubisoft's got no idea. Yeah. Sorry. It's it's. Bizarre. They got no idea. Big Ubi. Big. <laughs> Big Ubi, mate. Big Ubi. Um. Yeah. We, we love them. <laughs> he winked. Um. <laughs> Uh, rounding out the news because it's it's been a very light week. Um, Charles Matinee will no longer be the voice of Mario after 27 years on the job. Um, old mate is being taken behind the barn and turned into a Mario ambassador. Not really sure what that entails, <laughs> um, but it will be his his role moving forward. Um, we've also learned that he won't be the voice of Mario in the upcoming Wonder game. So that is a, a pretty clean cut departure for him there. Um, I, I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. That's that's all I really got on the news there. Can confirm. He's a lovely dude. You've... I met him like 10 years ago. Ah. I have. Hang on. I prepared this earlier. I've got my little signed. Oh, look at that. Signed thing. What does it but say? Yeah, he's, he's uh, Adam, you're a number one. <laughs> a number one. <laughs> wonder how many times he's written that. That's pretty good. <laughs> you got to love it. He did a little illustration of Boo. It's adorable. But Have you seen yeah, his cross when you, it's, when you wrote that? It's well, it's um, it's wild to think that, like, obviously Mario doesn't, he's not exactly a talkative fella, but it's, yeah, it's really odd to think of anyone but him doing the voice mm-hmm. of Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, all those folks. It's, yeah. Is it Mario movie now? Yes. It's Chris Pratt. He did a fine uh, job. I know, but it's just amusing in the context of, yeah, Mario doesn't talk a lot. No. Yeah. No, after that movie, he's got Why a lot did to it say. have to be a mushroom? Like, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm glad this is the future we're pivoted to. In, in fairness, I hate mushrooms too. Oh, so yeah. I, I mean, really, who doesn't? I felt yeah. that yeah. in my soul. Yeah. Disgusting. You, you, know, you don't want to be eating mushrooms at, at the moment. They'll kill you. So. Oh, that's that's a little Melbourne in joke. <laughs> oh, is this the, um, the, the, the woman? Yeah. yeah it's, it's the woman. This, you know, I've always trust a woman. Trust a woman who cooks mushrooms. <laughs> Damn it. That's killing you. Um, uh, anyway, that's the that's the news. Thanks, Zach. Ah, uh, no, no, no. Uh, mate, no. Come oh. on. That okay. ain't the news. We got a we got a couple of little sneaky ones in here. Uh Ghost Runner two has got a release date for those who liked Ghost Runner. That uh second one is coming on October twenty sixth. Uh, if you give a little bit more money, you'll get it a couple of days early. Bum right, system. Yeah. Bum system indeed. And the second one is Tekken 8 also has a release date and I didn't click on the article. January 26th. January 26th. There you go. Two weeks after my birthday. Lock that in. Um, I love it. 
Bulletstorm VR is also December 14th, but I know Zach doesn't like VR, so... I talk about forgot it. about like it. VR. Got him. James, yeah. no. Savage. Between Good the job. ribs on that one. <laughs> Still reeling. Yep. Oh, no. Good job. Uh, all right, so let's go off topics. Um, anything to share on that front? Rhiannon, have you watched any movies? Have I watched any movies? Um, I don't think Frozen 2 will uh, make it make the cut for the podcast this week. Do you prefer <laughs> Frozen 1 or 2? That's the key question. Whoa. Definitely 1 myself. Okay. I'm a 2 guy. Yeah. Oh. I like the songs mm. better from 2. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a few little holes um, and I thought the ending was a little bit meh. It's like what? Yeah. Anna can be queen of the town and then Elsa's queen of the forest, like. Okay, I've not seen it and I don't fucking have to now, do I? <laughs> oh, sorry, spoilers. Five-year-old for a Disney animated film. <laughs> a five, yeah, anyway. Four, five-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Tough crowd. Um, but, yes, I actually am on that note. I'm I'm actually making the effort of acquiring the uh, my favorite uh, Disney um, movies on physical, uh, 4K. Well, you can, yeah, 4K, well, Blu-ray. They did announce that they're pivoting back to physical releases for some Disney Plus shows. I'm not sure if that's going to include Australia. It's though, not so. Australia though. So, oh, we're just we're um, still cut out of that. Yeah, son of a bitch. Yep. So I, I won't get to have my beloved Mandalorian on physical unless I order what it from shame. overseas. I know. Sorry. I know. Um, <laughs> but if you do, um, so the the four Ks they work in Australia if you buy them from overseas, but a Blu-ray, uh, yeah, n- no, um, unless you buy them from Europe, and then they'll work in in Australia. Can't you just get like a region-free old mate? Yeah, but I'm not gonna do that. I just put the, I put them in my PS5. Okay. That's what my no, PS5 is for. I was like, I wasn't sure if there's something new fancy <laughs> where you it's like blocked out of. Yeah, right. Do you have a CD drive in your computer, Zach? Absolutely. Oh no, I don't. This one didn't. I was devastated. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had one for so part of a decade. But I bought them. Ex- I've got an, an external one plugged in. A USB nice. one. Good. It's good. Yeah. Absolutely. Very good. Um, question for you, seeing as you're Queen of Disney here, mm. what do you think of Treasure Planet? Ah, uh, I mean, sorry, you shut didn't up. ask me. <laughs> no, I don't, Look, I, don't, I, I fucking how good's Treasure Planet though? Eh? <laughs> Why? Why? What's wrong with Treasure Planet? Is probably the question I I'm should asking be asking you. you. I'm asking you what what That's what awesome. you think of it. Uh, see, the thing is, I like Disney Dreamlight Valley. So, like, you're asking the wrong person. Like, you slap Disney on it and I'm going to love it. So, um, and, you know, I'm probably... It's the question, Rhiannon. Do you like Do you <laughs> yeah. like Treasure Planet? Do you like fucking Treasure Planet? Yes. Stop dancing yes. around the question. Yes. Do you I'm like Robert Louis Stevenson? No. Fucking okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I never met... I thought we were going to have a problem there. Do you read books? Do I, like, do I... He's got his... his... <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow, so not only did you not let me talk about the game that I reviewed, okay, but you're also you telling me that like I don't read. A couple of weeks read... ago. A couple. You about last week. 
No, I didn't. Not last week. It was week before. I'm pretty sure. And um, yeah. can't talk about the same game every week, mate. Well, you the Treasure Planet is a treasure in itself. The thing is, the thing question, is, you Zach Jackson. The thing is, Adam, you briefly spoke about yours. You said, "Look, I spoke about it in a previous one, but I gave it this score, and it's really good. Go read my review." So Just got you there. Uh, I do read. Quest, Thank you very much. Mm. I watched I the, the doco, first so. Resident Evil film uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, I, I love these movies. I'm a big, big fan. I, I tend to try to rewatch them once every couple of years, but uh, it has been a hot minute since I've revisited. Um, still good. Still great. Love Millie Ovovich. Love Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. I think it's great they met on the filming oh, of this. Oh, the Anderson one. Yeah, the power couple. Yeah, the power yeah. couple. Exactly. Yeah, love it. Um, no, like solid little horror action low budget 2000s you know it ticks a lot of boxes i think that it's it's got that nice like kind of crunchiness to it uh that i really appreciate um not at all representative of where he takes that franchise which i also love Ew. but it's a that's a whole other conversation <laughs> <laughs> is is leon in that film nah no nah, he doesn't show up until like, film five i think yeah so who's Something the main like that, guy yeah. uh no there's no main guy it's um alice yeah but who's the guy that's there's a main dude from like you know there's a primary dude there uh, there's like a umbrella captain that she hangs out with for like the first third of the film and her fake yeah. husband yeah. is also there. Um, there's, there's no like oh, and the, recognizable the Resident Evil face though. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, no, 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 no. Hang on. Let me have a look. Hot, hot take. I liked the Resident Evil TV show that they've cancelled. Me too. Oh, oh James. You did? Oh, Ally. Yeah. I, I reviewed okay. it. Oh, well amazing. I, yeah. I thought it was pretty solid. Not, yeah. That's pretty like, solid. Like, uh, yeah, I thought solid. it was it, – it, I thought, like, usually this is uh, – it was going down those lines of, like, the first series season isn't that great because of low budget and then the second season yeah. just it, – it gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was – well, it's not getting yeah. one, is it, Adam? So we don't know. Unfortunately. I would have loved to have seen a second season. Yeah. I, yeah. Thought I had a Could great you imagine if I could have kept concurrently reviewing The Last of Us seasons with Resident oh. Evil seasons and constantly rating oh Resident Evil God. higher? That. <laughs> oh. that is content. My heart couldn't take it, James. <laughs> this is going to be a sad question, but James, or anyone yeah. that wants to answer. Um, given events that have transpired since Resident Evil was uh, mm. released, who would replace uh, Lance Riddick? Oh. I don't think he could. Um, no, I wouldn't want to. Like he put such a stamp on that performance. Um, like that is such a distinct Wesker um, that I think if you mm. were to do, if you wanted to continue doing Wesker, you would just reboot the character Have, in like a fucking yeah. Resident Evil way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you could really be a different con- Wesker. Yeah. Right. Mm. Okay. But I mean, the way that series ends as well, like it's very much setting up the the daughter to be the new Wesker anyway. So it's kind of yes. yeah. Yeah. Right, on its way True. out, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real shame. He was, he really showed up for that show. Uh, I loved it. He did. Mm. He did. All right. 90 film of the week. Who's got, who's in charge? I'm sure that's just me, isn't it? Oh, um, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, people. She's going to have some. Yeah. Uh, people watch. It's not, uh, I'm going to have to do a little thing. Um, okay. So. All right, let me just start at the beginning. People, oh, God, people watch films on TikTok now. Like that's what it's, they do. Nah, it is right, cooked. I, I, I've Isn't seen this. It? I didn't know yeah. this. What? It's so weird. What do you mean? So, 
So there are TikTok accounts that are dedicated to posting. They'll probably post between four and eight parts of a film and they'll just get slices of the most important parts and you can watch an entire film in about, I don't know, eight minutes, something like that. Um, and it's, it's, abs- it's, it's, it's so it's, – it's, it's from a generation that I don't understand. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Um, uh, I thought it was going to be like that uh, Titanic in six seconds video. That's one of my favorite videos ever. <laughs> <laughs> is good. I'll give you that. That is good. The concept of that has, I think that's just mentally aged me about 40 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm not allowed to have an opinion on this because I fundamentally don't understand What's that actor from, um, oh, I forget Billy his Zane, name. please be Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he's Scooby-Doo, she's all that. Um, Freddie, Freddie Prince, Prince Jr. Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. He's in it. Oh, it's just gone Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> She's all that. I'm gonna have a guess. No, 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 no. It no it's not. It's from that it's time not what you just said though. She's all that. It's from that time though. Hold on, hold on. Freddie Prince. Um, he's also in. Is it, I know what he did last summer. Is he in the, those Matthew films? Head no. over heels. Oh god. Head. It's called <laughs> Head Over Heels. I watched it on on TikTok, um, and it's about. <laughs> I watched it on TikTok. I did. It's got four point. Oh, sorry, 5.4 out of 10 uh, on IMDb. What's, how and rotten is it? Rotten, to, I don't know. Does it got rotten tomatoes? Ooh, it's 10%. 10%. Is it that bad? That okay. Is, that is. <laughs> I'm fairly certain I've seen this. It's, um, oh. I mean, it was given $14 million uh, to produce this film. I think it's most of lot. that, <laughs> I don't know where it went, um, but essentially, um, a young, a young woman is attracted to a man despite her thinking uh, she's seen him kill someone. Um, she, lives a, she lives across the, the, the New York street uh, from this guy. She, she lives in this apartment with all these supermodels um, and, yeah, it just they keep, they keep meeting each other and it's just it, it's a fun time with, with pretty 90s girls. That's that's all I'll say about it's it. It's practically the second rear window from Alfred Hitchcock by the sounds of it. Isn't it? If you just read the synopsis. <laughs> yeah. He witnessed a murder. Of a film that is nothing like that film, I don't think. But um, I feel like James or maybe Nathan might have seen it. Katie Holmes is in it. It's like 2am. 2am? Is that film 2am Go? No, I'm not. I'm you're not, not, you're not tickling anything for me? Yeah, I'm not taking much for myself actually. But, but now own, I'm just uh, in a um, rabbit hole. God no, it's called, damn. It's called Go. Yeah, it's got Katie Holmes in it. It's got 91% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's actually it's a really good film. Um, a group of people get involved in a drug deal due to various circumstances during Christmas. Soon they try to find a way uh, to escape the problematic situation. This one oh, got 25, 28.5 mil. Double the, uh, oh. double the budget of Freddy. And this one's got <laughs> big old... Quality? Big Timothy, Timothy Oliphant, Oliphant. Oh yeah, and I do like a bit of Oliphant. Kat, Katie Holmes, yeah, like it's, it's a cool film. You can watch it on, well, nothing. You can watch it on Apple TV. You can probably <laughs> watch it on TikTok. <laughs> or well, TikTok. Now yeah, we've just learned. <laughs> if you watch any films on TikTok, you're dead to me. Apart from you, Rhiannon. I stumbled it's upon it. Way- That's all. 
it was you, an accident. It was research. the algorithm. Yeah. I I'll put yours up. I'll, I'll put yours down to research. So, <laughs> love to get Christopher Nolan's thoughts on this. They do oh, it for TV shows as well. <laughs> so, is this going to be a thing in the future where, like, in like 20, 30 years, people are going to go to the cinema? Be like little peep shows, right? You pay no. like you pay like the peep shows. <laughs> Just give me the trailers, bro. <laughs> you, you go there, you watch like a five minute film, and that's it. Off you go. I think it depends how long you can last. No. People are going to go to the cinemas. Okay, first of all, yeah, but for, the, for the vibes, bro. Sometimes watching these, <laughs> it, it's like an it's I. You know what? I'm going to frame it in the context for for people like us. Um, and when I say people like us, I mean old. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, it's like an extended trailer. And yeah. if if I if I would like to know if I want to go ahead and watch the whole film, I think this is a really good way of showcasing a film. Uh, it does. Don't you it, know what it, happens though. Yes, but 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 the thing is right. There's nothing worse than watching sitting through an hour and a half to our film, right? And it being absolute garbage and all you figured out was the plot. You know? Like sometimes the plot is not the main part of watching a film. You know? Sometimes it's not the most enjoyable I part. Live. I live for watching shitty films and being disappointed though. Like, <laughs> I love th- I love that shit. I love getting to the end of it and what the looking fuck over was at that? King's face and seeing nothing but disappointment. <laughs> I- I'm just saying. That's like- why you forced her through um, Morbius, right? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. And she hated why? me for it. She hated when they did the ear thing and it, yeah, it creeped her out. Morbius could have been really cool if it was just more violent, like proper violent, like just. Nah, yeah. it was shit. It wasn't going to be. It was never going to be the good. The thing is, I really just... like Jared Leto. It had fuckhead in it from 50 seconds to Jupiter or whatever it is. Do you like <laughs> his band? Oops. He, he's got Whoops. a TikTok now. We've gone now. two different directions there. Wait. He's got, of course, he's got TikTok. <laughs> oh, he does. okay. I was thinking of a different person. Yep. Do you like Leto. his band, Rihanna? I do. They've got that one song. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Rihanna and I are friends again. <laughs> Actually, no, they're... They're After that Treasure Planet look, close call, look, mate, I don't know. <laughs> Treasure Planet's the goat. They've, 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 got, they've, got they've got some good music out there. Um, they've got progressively worse, though. But they have, yes. I would agree. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I would agree. Need laser Wrap surgery. Wrap it up. Fuck me. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Um, no, I had a question, but it's gone, so whatever. Uh, anything else people want to share with off-topics and stuff? Yo-ho-ho. I'm... Back on my One Piece shit. <laughs> Live action's coming to Netflix next week. Dang. Oh, is oh, I'm it? getting primed. Look out. Yeah, boy. I've expected it to be dog shit. If it's anything better than that, I'll be pleased. I'm looking forward to Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's a choice. And Loki. Yeah, Loki, I'm Loki. excited about. Yeah, Lo- Two weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Lo- Loki's on the McDonald's nugget sauce now. Um, I saw that. I'm not sure why. I'm sorry. What, what did you just say? I'm confused. Naka's been doing this. <laughs> it order. says as seen on Loki season two. Yeah, they're, they're doing a marketing push at the <laughs> moment where they're basically trying to right. advertise all the big media properties that Max's been a part of. Like I had a bag being yeah. like, as featured on Seinfeld season five, yeah, episode 21 or some shit. Like people are going to McDonald's thinking, 
fucking I love Seinfeld. The, the, the irony of seeing that and then seeing like sixteen like Macca's bags just blow through the toilet. <laughs> 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 It's, I don't know, it's, marketing is very strange at the moment. Um, All I know is I saw it and I was like, oh, I haven't seen that. So how would I know? What a spoiler, McDonald's. That you can't buy it on Blu-ray or DVD, but you can get the Macca's sauce for Loki. That's, that's where we're at (laughs) with Disney in this country. That's, Um, that's where, that's, that's the physical product that you can get for Loki. In Australia. The fucking sauce. To be specific. Yeah, good. Mm. We're more of a Warner Brothers country than a Disney country, I think. I could see that. Yeah. We like Bugs Bunny more than we like Mickey Andy? Mouse. <laughs> I do hate Mickey but Mouse. We, but are we getting Disneyland here? Isn't someone getting uh, Disneyland? I heard that. I heard that. Uh, well, Melbourne, I can't remember. But it's that's just like all, that's getting all. BW. Big, big W. You can't put it in Canberra. Did you just say Canberra? What? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> can't put it in Canberra. That's no where one. fun goes to die. You know what? Just put it in Tasmania. Just. Oh, nah. Just a relabel Tasmania. <laughs> just relabel Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> um, they could probably buy Tasmania, really. Oh, fucking oath. Uh, Can James, you imagine? So Anna, oh. Anna uh, her favourite one is Mission Impossible 3. To continue a conversation Three. from way back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, did I she, can fuck with she that. seen them all? Or? No, we're getting through them, which brings me to the next thing. Uh, Equalizer 3 is coming out, right? So we're now going to mm. be watching through the Equalizers. What's the first one? Hasn't she didn't as like well it. As I thought. She, yeah, she thought it was fine. It's, oh, she it's did. okay. I think it's the okay. second one is better. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen the second, second one. one. Which Mission Impossible are you up to, though? Four now. So we haven't watched four. We're Best watch one, four. let's go. We kind of stopped because um, I think it's six has gone from the cinema. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. yeah. yeah, I think it got I, kicked I out by it. Oppenheimer and Barbie. Really terrible releasing for an IMAX movie, but uh, choices. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Well, calling it. Sounds like a so. or forever. Hold your peace. Three, two, no more. All right, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Well Played DLC podcast. You can check out the content on www.well-play.com.au. We have a YouTube video that is up and firing on all cylinders. You can go to YouTube and it is well played underscore au for that. And yeah, not on TikTok though. Or are yeah, we? Not yet. James. James is in charge of that. Okay, put those away. Now, uh, have a good weekend and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Catch you later. See ya. See you. Bye.